Hebrews chapter 5. Yesterday we saw about the rest that God gives, the rest that some still have to enter into, where it requires a cessation or ceasing of our works, our own works, complete rejection of our own works so that we may take up the rest of God. The Sabbath rest. And we spoke of how the rest is not just a one time or one day of the week under the law, but a rest that is for our entire lives and for eternity. God has his rest for us so that we can enjoy his presence. We can be one with him. We can grow in his grace. We can live in that newness of life that he meant for us to have. We saw that Joshua, who took the people of Israel into the land of Canaan, he could not guarantee rest for them. Because if he was able to give them rest, the rest that God established before the foundation of the world, then there would be no need for Jesus to come and provide another type of rest. But the Lord came so that reconciliation, restoration, restitution, man who is created, as you saw in the beginning of Hebrews, to have dominion over the earth and over all the works of the Lord, such a high state God gave mankind. The Lord Jesus came to show how we can enjoy the rest of God while we walk through our pilgrimage and enter into his ultimate rest. The Lord passed through the heavens as our faithful high priest. He hated iniquity. He loved righteousness. He loved righteousness and hated iniquity. And the Lord exalted him far above his companions. The Lord has guaranteed the rest and he has passed through the test of this life so that we can be victorious just like him as we walk in his footsteps. We saw yesterday from Matthew 11 that the rest God gives us is the opposite of burdens that we carry unnecessarily when we can lay them at Jesus' feet when we can exchange our yoke, complications, anxious thoughts, worries about the future, pain that we go through, there's a quality of life. We can go to the Savior. He can give us rest in the midst of even the worst storm. Such is the quality of God's rest. And it has a connection with the eternal rest because it is by faith that we enter into the rest. And that faith will lead us into continuation in the rest and the final inheritance of that eternal rest. Very important to note 
as we continue to emphasize from the book of Hebrews that we who enter in, we enter in by faith, but we must continue to hold firm the rejoicing of the hope until the end. We see that in Hebrews 2 and 3 and elsewhere. God requires us to continue to lean upon him, stop doing our own thing, our own works, and trust him. Listen to his counsel and follow his word exactly. Hebrews chapter 5, we're going to see a very, very important verse that will establish the right doctrine in our hearts. We'll compare a verse from Acts. But for now, we have the privilege of reading the Word of God together. It's a very short chapter, 14 verses. I'd like someone please to first read it in the New King James Version, chapter 5 of Hebrews. If you, can, if you have a good connection, first of all, and you can read slowly and loud enough with reverence, Hebrews 5 in the New King James Version, and someone else please follow that up with a reading of the same chapter, Hebrews 5 in the New Living Translation. Hebrews 5, New King James Version. For every high priest taken from among men is appointed for men in things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can have compassion on those who are ignorant and going astray, since he himself is also subject to weakness. Because of this, he is required as for the people, so also for himself, to offer sacrifices for sins. And no man takes this honor to himself, but he who is called by God, just as Aaron was. So also Christ did not glorify himself to become high priest, but it was he who said to him, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. As he also says in another place, You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek, who in the days of his flesh when he had offered up prayers and supplications, with vehement cries and tears to him, who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear, though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him, called by God as high priest, according to the order of Melchizedek, of whom we have much to say and hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time 
you ought, you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you again the first disciples, the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Praise God. Praise God. Someone can read the same chapter in the New Living Translation. Hebrews 5, New Living Translation. Every high priest is a man chosen to represent other people in their dealings with God. He presents their gifts to God and offers sacrifices for their sins. And he is able to deal gently with ignorant and wayward people because he himself is subject to the same weakness. That is why he must offer sacrifices for his own sins as well as theirs. And no one can become a high priest simply because he wants such an honor. He must be called by God for this work, just as Aaron was. That is why Christ did not honor himself by assuming he could become high priest. No, he was chosen by God, who said to him, You are my son. Today I have become your father. And in another passage, God said to him, You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. While Jesus was here on earth, he offered prayers and pleadings with a loud cry and tears to the one who could rescue him from death. And God heard his prayers because of his deep reverence for God. Even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. In this way, God qualified him as a high priest, and he became the source of eternal salvation for all those who obeyed him. And God designated him to be a high priest in the order of Melchizedek. There is much more we would like to say about this, but it is difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. You have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. I'm sorry. I lost my spot. I believe you're... Yeah, verse... You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Verse 5, 
that is chapter 5, Hebrews 5, says that the Lord Jesus was appointed by the Father. He says in his earthly ministry that whatever the Father says, that's what I say. Whatever I see him doing, that's what I do. The Father does the works. He is completely yielded to the Lord. And he said, My Father hears me. I always do the things that please my Father. That's an example for us. In John chapter 4, the Lord Jesus said, For they that worship the Lord must worship him in spirit and in truth. It's possible for us to have such a such an intimate connection with God. And God desires that and we ought to desire that. Lord, I really want to hear what you are saying. We really need to stop speaking if we're going to hear what God has to say. We have to get rid of the clutter. We have to get rid of the chatter. One of the things the enemy will do is get a person hyped up, emotionally charged, like an artificial sugar spike, only to come crashing down. The stability that God can give comes for those and to those who are able to be honest, a good and honest heart, be able to be quiet. It's written in James 1.19, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Let everyone be beloved brothers. Let everyone be swift to hear, quick to listen, very slow to speak, slow to wrath. How good the Word of God is when the devil wants to push our buttons, instigate and provoke. How critically important the Word of God is if we have treasured the Word of God. The Word of God can contain and rule over our emotions. The Word of God can help us to get a grip on ourselves so the flesh doesn't revive and break out and ruin the walk we have with God. Jesus Christ was a faithful high priest. He was a high priest who relied upon the Father in his function on the earth as his messenger, as his Messiah. He was anointed with the Holy Spirit by God And we are called to walk in his footsteps. In Hebrews 4, we saw that he's able to sympathize with our weaknesses. And he's so superior to any earthly high priest, even the ones with the greatest, best, noble intentions. One of the most marked differences of being absolutely without sin. As we see here in chapter 5, 
all the human high priests from Aaron down, who was appointed by God through Moses, all the high priests, they have to make or offer sacrifices for their own selves. They're able to help others in that they perform the function of mediating through animal sacrifices, standing between man and God, but it's temporary and it cannot take away sins. It can only temporarily cover sins. And those high priests, priests themselves were subject to sin. Doesn't mean they were flagrantly or blatantly sinning all the time, but they were weak. Every human being is weak until the power of Christ rests upon them. And even then, we have the flesh to contend with. We must overcome the flesh and reckon it or consider it crucified. But Jesus Christ, he was absolutely without sin. The perfect high priest. And he's in the order of Melchizedek, as is written in Psalm 110. The Lord said unto my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Then he goes on to say, you are a priest after the order of Melchizedek, who had no beginning no record of human parents a type of Christ king and priest we see Melchizedek come out to Abram after his victory and he gives him bread and wine bread and the sweet juice from the grapevine God says, like Melchizedek, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has an eternal priesthood. He continues forever to stand as our representative to the Father. And we're in his body. He's without sin. And he didn't choose himself. As he said, the if I bear witness of myself, my witness would not be true. Normally speaking, or humanly speaking, anyone that testifies of himself or herself, it's not good enough. We need others, especially greater than ourselves, would be a better testimony. But then the Lord says, my testimony is still true, even if I speak, because he's righteous. He said, I know where I came from. You don't know. He's the Almighty God. He said, I have a greater witness than that of John. The Father himself bears witness. The works bear witness. Everything about the Lord makes him the ideal high priest and representative for you and for me for eternity. We have such an high priest. He's a priest forever. We see these elements of what has been discussed from verses 1 
down to verse 6. And it's written about the Lord Jesus Christ, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications, with vehement cries, strong cries, strong tears, strong crying, to him who was able to save him from death. It was a death unlike any other death. It's not simply death leaving this world or going through the pain of that. He was going to bear the weight of the entire world's sins, something we can't fathom. He was going to be punished. He was going to be treated as a sinner. And the Bible says he became sin for us who knew no sins. He knew no sin. And Isaiah says his face was beaten up so badly that you couldn't even recognize him. As a physical illustration of the wretchedness of the sins he was bearing, not his own, he bore our sins. In Isaiah 53, you have several verses over and over emphasizing the fact that he was punished for our wrongdoing, our crimes, our sins. He cried to the Father. We see the prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. Again, he prayed so passionately with everything that was in him that it was just turning his sweat into great drops of blood. And he went a few times to his disciples, the inner three, the circle, inner circle, Peter, James, and John. He said, why are you sleeping? He said, rise, get up and pray, lest you enter into temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. The Lord went through all of that. He was deserted. But then the angel came and strengthened him. And he was ready to go to the cross. That is, he was ready to bear the punishment and take sin upon himself, the sinless one. It was not simply death and to say that he was heard, but he still died is not to say that his prayer failed. He said, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. God answered. God's will was done. Because God so loved the world, us, he gave his son to whoever that believes would have everlasting life. The days of his flesh when he had offered up prayers and supplications with them and cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear. He had a deep reverence and yieldedness to the Father's will. He was heard. His prayer was answered. Initially he asked, Lord, Father, Father, 
if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. But then he said, if I have to drink it, let it be so. Your will be done. We don't know all that it involved. But we know our Savior did everything for us. He didn't consider himself. He thought about us. Verse 8 says, Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. We are called to go through the same path that I may know him in the power of his resurrection the apostle says everybody wants to talk about and gain power they like power verses verses that talk about the power I have and we are given power we ought to seek the power that comes from God for his glory But we ought to know that we need also to partake in his suffering. We're not called to go to the cross like Jesus. But we're called to take up our cross, denying ourselves daily and follow him. Whatever involves persecution, affliction, attack from Satan and his people... Because we're pursuing righteousness and seeking to glorify God, if pain and persecution comes for that, then we are walking the path of the cross. The apostle says in Philippians 3:10 that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Most preaching these days, especially the ones that are highly popular, all over the world, spreads like cancer everywhere, false teaching, focusing on the power and the prosperity. Notice the operative word is focusing, or the phrase focusing on, the main focus. And not what the Lord presents. The Lord presents, you will have power. Wait upon me. You'll also have suffering, because that's the path of the cross. If I want the power of his resurrection, I must also yield myself to the fellowship. We think about fellowship as sitting down, eating, laughing, having good time. But this is the fellowship of his sufferings, being made one with him, going through the path that God has for us because not only does he want to save our souls but he wants to perfect us. Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. And having been perfected, was he not perfect? Yes. He was the perfect God who came down and became the perfect man as he took on flesh. He never stopped being perfect. Jesus never, ever stopped being perfect. From eternity to eternity, eternity, including his earthly sojourn and ministry. 
<coughs> he is always perfect. What does this mean? Having been perfected. It means he completely went through the process to be qualified as the greatest intercessor for us between humanity and God, man and God. He went through what? Suffering and death. And he defeated him who had the power of death, that is the devil, that we can be free. Through all that he went through, there's there's a victory that he bought with his blood. And he had to suffer. No one can say Jesus doesn't understand, God doesn't understand. He knows all about us inside out and he demonstrated it. By going through all the temptations yet without sin. By going through suffering that is unimaginable. Yielding himself. He became complete. That's the word perfect here. He completed the mission to go through all that he needed to in order to be the faithful, ultimate, sinless, eternal high priest. Having been perfected or completed his mission, fulfilling all the requirements, he became the author of eternal salvation, called by God as high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. Hear me carefully, on purpose I'm leaving out something. Verses 9 and 10. And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation, called by God as high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. Again, in the New King James Version, I read Hebrews 5, 9 to 10. If you have your Bibles, please follow what I'm reading. And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation, called by God as high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. Can someone tell me, please, what I have left out on purpose to make a point. Anyone? To all who obey Him. Praise God. To all who obey Him. No one can ever claim that they have salvation and obedience is optional because Jesus did it all. No. Salvation comes to those who follow Jesus. There is just like the rest... Salvation is God's rest. We enter in, but we must continue by obedience until the very end. And then we enter into the ultimate rest. The fulfillment. As we made the analogy, it's not perfect, but it serves the example. The example is that a person strives to get into medical school. They take the sciences. They do the extracurricular activity. They take the medical college admissions test, the MCAT or whatever test they have in whatever country. 
They strive to get in, and they're in. You can hardly believe it. First year medical student. What does the future hold for me? I'm going to be on top of the world, highly respected. I can get a job anywhere in the world. I remember a high school teacher in biomedical program telling the class, if you're a doctor, you can get a job anywhere in the world. You'll never be unemployed. And he said, you can get a $100,000 insurance not practice or whatever immediately and you have access to so many things and of course it's coming from a man who didn't believe in the Lord and what a cheap trinket to strive for if we don't have everlasting life and yet it can be noble depending on the individual but the person gets into medical school and they're so happy they're elated and then they understand that they have to continue every year making the grade. Otherwise they get kicked out. But you were in it. What happened? You didn't maintain your position. The angels which were arrogant and willfully disobedient, the Apostle Peter says by the Holy Spirit, they left their first estate. They had a position with God. They were blessed. But they presumed upon the goodness and grace of God. And they became arrogant and wicked and vile. And they joined Lucifer and they were thrown out, consigned forever to go to the lake of fire. There's a rebellion, ultimate rebellion. So, the person who is in that medical school, they have to continue. Otherwise they get kicked out. They lose their position. They can never become doctors. But the one who stays there maintains the requirements, meets the requirements, and completes the requirements, those people become physicians. Those people have entered into their profession. When it comes to salvation, we have to obey the Lord, otherwise we will lose whatever salvation was granted to us. That's the truth. But we have twisted teaching all over the world, again going like gangrene and cancer all over, even eastern countries, by way of media and people, looking for something to empower them. God does empower. Hallelujah. He takes the weak and He makes them strong. He takes the poor, makes them rich. The riches primarily are eternal riches, which are durable, where moth will not corrupt, rust cannot corrupt, thieves cannot break in and steal that treasure. But in this life, God also gives prosperity. He opens the door. He gives rivers in the desert. He does all kinds of miracles. Hallelujah. He sustains us. He is the God who provides our daily bread spiritually and physically. God is faithful. That salvation entered in requires and demands obedience all the way. There is not one disobedient person in heaven. Never will be. 
In the book of Hebrews we see, let us serve him acceptably with reverence, with fear, with trembling. God is a consuming fire. In the book of Philippians it says, For it is God who works in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Before that it says, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. What does that mean? Continue to walk very carefully in absolute obedience to your Master, to your Father, to your Savior, to the Captain of your salvation. Only then will we make it. We've seen that the people who came out of Egypt, they didn't obey, they refused, they became stiff-necked, hard-hearted, and they all perished. And only those under 20 years old, the next generation, they said, our children are going to be destroyed in this wilderness and by the enemies. God said, you know who I'm going to bring into the promised land? Your children, who you said are going to perish. You're going to perish, but not your children. Why? Because they began to believe God. The younger generation, they went in with Joshua. I'd like you to mark in your Bibles, highlight this, it will not only do good for your own souls to keep you in the right track always, but it will serve to bless multitudes through you when the false prophets and false teachings go around. Please mark or highlight in your Bibles Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 9. Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 9. Someone please read that verse for us. And having been perfected, became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey Him. Amen. Obey Him. Obey what? Many people, many Christians, they say, well, He must mean the Ten Commandments. People don't read the Bible. They have empty profession. They think they're Christians. Because I check off a census box identifying myself as of this religion doesn't make it so in the courts of heaven. In the court of heaven. I have to have obedience to show that I really believe. Faith and works. Faith and obedience go hand in hand. They are together. They can't be separated. Obeying what? Everything God says. Everything God says. Would God ever give a commandment and say it's optional? A commandment is a mandate. When God says, love me first and foremost with all your heart, mind, soul and strength, He means we have to love Him first with all our hearts, mind, soul and strength. Period. When He says, I want you to look, see your neighbor... Love your neighbor. You know how? The best you could? On Mondays and Fridays? When my neighbor is nice to me and smiles and waves? When my neighbor can give me a perk here and there, some favor, and I can get some benefit? Work out a partnership? No. How do you treat yourself? Do you treat yourself good when you please yourself all the time? Do you say, I'm going to feed my body because my body's been so obedient to me? 
body's worked out some good favors for me. No, we take care of ourselves. No man ever yet hated his own flesh, his body, says in Ephesians 5. But he nourishes and cherishes it. Why? It's my body. The Lord says, love your neighbor like you love yourself. We went through this before in detail. That even if it means preparing a sandwich or something seemingly casual and insignificant in the daily course of things to do, do it all with love, sincere love. And do it as you would do it for yourself. Don't be casual and put something together thinking, oh well, they better like it. They better be happy. Whatever I'm giving. Never mind cleanliness. Never mind putting the best things there as I would do for myself. Oh God, search me and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me. Lead me in the way everlasting. Psalm 139. We need to ask God to help us to love like we never loved before. A different kind of love. God's love. Agape love. What do I obey if salvation comes to those who obey God? All that God said to do. Not just the Ten Commandments. There are far more commandments involved. And with Hebrews chapter 5, in the verse we just read, Hebrews chapter 5, in verse 9, we now go to the verse I mentioned recently. And you can mark this also. In fact, go to Acts chapter 5 and verse 32. And someone please read that for us. Acts 5 and 32. Acts chapter 5, verse 32. Sorry. And we are his witnesses to these things, and so also is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. There's that word again, obey him. So salvation is given to those who obey God. Someone says, well, isn't that salvation by works? If I have to obey him before I get saved? No. It's not something that I'm trying to keep and strive, bringing into God, presenting a record here. Lord, I spent the last 300 days striving to keep your Ten Commandments. And look, I was able to keep some of them. Or I kept all of them, whatever defense we want to bring to God of ourselves and our righteousness. No. That will not earn us a place in heaven. His death on the cross gives us the free gift because he died for our sins. But I have to obey 
the requirements of the gospel. Someone says, well, that's easy. Isn't the requirement to believe God? Yes. But many people leave out repent, which is part of that belief. And there are people who preach heresies, which means a departure from the truth, false teachings, who confuse the masses and give them just what they want to hear, a spoonful of sugar to cause destruction, or sugar-coated poison. The masses buy it up. Often I remark to the family how wicked man is. And especially since they target children, the advertisers and the manufacturers. Why? Because they pump their food, especially the kiddie foods, with sugar, which is so toxic, refined sugar. They just pump it into the foods. And the kids eat it up. They become addicted to it. And start throwing tantrums if the parents don't give it. There's a demonic bondage there in destruction. Someone says, well, my kid plays soccer and he's into this and that and he looks trim and fit. Look at him. Not everything manifests immediately. We saw in the article about alcohol that Prashant shared recently. Much damage happens underneath the surface until it's manifest at some point. But how wicked man is when people know after so much research this stuff is deadly and toxic and they pump everything they can find even chicken nuggets and things like these meat, they have to put some sugar in there it's amazing so evil they become intoxicated with it That's what the devil does. He gives people sugar-coated poison and they eat it up. A person who is addicted to drugs, they'll become hostile very quickly if you try to take the drugs away. Similarly, a person who is addicted to sugar, if you try to take that away, they can become quite hostile. They become conditioned, they become a slave to it. The person who says, this is bad for me, I don't care how much the body is craving it. It's destroying itself. I'm not going to allow it. I'm going to change my ways. I'm going to change my appetite. I'm going to tell my body what to do. And there's a conditioning there where the taste buds and the brain portions that are responsible for satisfaction and all these things, there's an alteration, there's a change. There's a change for the better. We want the truth and nothing but the truth because only the truth will save us. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. There are people who, men and women, have hair coloring and all kinds of things. Nothing wrong with that. But what's wrong is if it's toxic and has chemicals that will damage you. There are people who love certain perfumes and fragrances which have an abundance of neurotoxins, nothing natural there. But it's the latest thing and as long as I can make heads turn, well, you can do that for a pig too. You can put tremendous amounts of perfume on a pig, but I don't think heads will turn when they see the hog walking by. We need to be discerning and see what things are beneficial and genuine 
not artificial and poisonous. Wisdom is justified of all her children, Jesus said. You'll know from the fruit. Some people, they won't take advice what to do for your children, the best thing to do to rear them in a spiritual way, to protect them. Oh, no. That's what he wants to do. The friends are over there and he's old enough, she's old enough. We're called to be responsible and to do the best. That's what loving the neighbor means. The first neighbor is the people or the person in your own house. The first order of business we heard last night is to guard my soul and then to do my best to help others closest to me guard their souls. Out of the heart proceed the issues of life. Keep your heart with all diligence in the right way, in the righteous way. But we see here in Acts 5.32 and Hebrews 5.9 the very key word, critical word, obey. Salvation is not earned. We can never earn salvation. Whoever is not convinced of that is seriously deluded. But it's a free gift. And yet, to receive it, I have to do what? Obey God's command to do what? Repent. That's not some works that I'm bringing to God that I've done this and that, Lord, and you should let me into heaven. No, what I did was I stopped going toward hell with God's grace and I said, Lord, you can save me. I want your salvation. That's a cry of repentance. I want this, Lord, and therefore I'm leaving the old country. Lord, you gave me a ticket to go to the new country, to heaven. I'm going to take the ticket from your hands and get on the plane. I can't be in two countries at the same time. I can't go up and down at the same time. In order to go up, I have to turn my back on that which is down. In order to go forward, I have to turn my back on that which is behind. That's repentance. 180 degree. Again, let me emphasize, some people mistakenly say, I did a 360 and came to God. You do a 360, you're back where you started. It's a full circle. You haven't gone anywhere. But God calls for 180 degrees in about face turn. So repentance is required and that's the first step of obedience. Believing and repenting. No one gets to heaven without repenting. The devil will say, oh you can't repent. Yes, we need grace and faith from God but we have to repent. We can't say Jesus paid it all and he gave me grace and he put faith into me and he'll get me into heaven I'll float into heaven somehow. doesn't matter. And the going gets rough, the tough get going, and God's in me, so I'm tough. People wear t-shirts and everything. All kinds of clothing saying no fear, and stickers and bumper stickers and all these things. The devil laughs. It's not about slogans, mantras and cliches that won't get anyone to heaven it's about obedience right from the beginning Jesus says repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand John the Baptist Paul the Apostle all the prophets turn you at my reproof the Bible says by the Holy Spirit through Solomon and the other writers in the book of Proverbs wisdom cries out in the chief concourse 
stands right there for everybody to see, but very few listen. They end up in destruction. But the ones who listen, they heed the counsel to what? Turn at the rebuke, at the exposing of sin, that this is not for me. I can't get to heaven with this. A person starts crying out to God, Lord, help me to leave the immorality, leave the drinking, leave the abuse of other people, leave all of this criminal activity, Lord. There are many people who never went to jail. Never ever went to jail. They're the worst criminals on the planet. By God's law. Why? Because there are a lot of things hidden inside. You can't hide from God. But a person who comes to God and says, Lord, you're right. My heart is so wicked. I seem so cultured and refined and mannerly and neighborly. And I do a lot of things. And look, I got the student of the year or the teacher of the year award or the physician of the year. And I'm on this magazine and they want me to speak here. God sees us with all of those accolades and medals and awards with clothing that is burnt. With holes in it, teeth discolored, hair disheveled, leprosy all over the skin. He sees the real person, not what the world sees or what they like to project. That is the filthy rags that will never make it to heaven. But if I come and say, Lord, I have no righteousness of my own, but I turn from that which has been deceiving me and crying out to you, help me, Lord. And God helps that person get saved. But there's work involved. And Jesus said, when the crowd asked them, what work should we do? He said, I'll tell you what work believes. And they believe again and again, we say, includes obedience. There's no such thing as faith without obedience. It's a false faith. So these two verses, if you haven't highlighted them, very, very critical. Not only for salvation, but also for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Which means nobody can claim to be anointed and filled with the Spirit because they're having goosebumps or bumps or they're jumping up and down, they're perspiring, they're shouting and screaming, they're doing battle with the devil, shadow boxing over there. A lot of drama. The devil laughs and heaven weeps. Because they're self-deluded. But a person who obeys God, they have the real power. The devil fears holiness. How important it is for us to understand that we've been made partakers of the Holy Spirit. Hebrews 6, as we're going to read soon. Do not go against the Spirit of God. Obey Him. Obey Him. The only safety for the believer is in obedience. The house called obedience. We leave obedience and go to the street called disobedience, we'll be slaughtered. Rahab stayed in the house. She had the scarlet thread out and she was firmly cautioned, warned by the two spies from Israel. Because she said, not only me, please have mercy upon my family. I don't want to see my cousin die. When you come and the sword falls on the people here, 
I don't want to see my parents butchered while I get saved. The men said, very well, we'll do this too. But we want to say one thing before we leave. When we come to destroy the city, whoever's in the house with you will be saved. Anyone found outside of the house, that person's blood will be upon their own head. Is it a hard thing to do? When God says, just stay in my house, don't go out. Dinah went out, the daughter of Jacob. She was led by the spirit from hell, the devil. She wasn't content. Let me go see the daughters of the land. I want to see what they're doing, what they look like. Let me see what kind of nail polish they're wearing. and Let me see what songs they listen to. And I like to be like them. She ventured out. Horrible thing happened to her. And a horrible thing, murder happened from her brothers who took vengeance. Jacob was very grieved. They just went and slaughtered people. They deceived them because their sister was defiled. But it would have never happened if she stayed where she was supposed to stay. How the Word of God shows us the consequences and keeps us safe. How we need to know the Word of God and teach our children and teach ourselves first. Watch out for their curiosity. They're looking over at the neighbor's lawn. Longing eyes for the things of this world. Passing pleasures. Foolishness. If we let them, they can bait us into great trouble. Unnecessary trouble. And even death. God became, Jesus became the author of salvation to them that obey Him. God gives the Holy Spirit to them that obey Him. I'm so thankful that God brings to our attention when we read carefully the Word of God and put away all the commentaries and all such things, just get before the Lord say, Lord, here I am, Lord. We need to be really humble. One of the manifestations of true humility is when we can shut our mouth and listen. Some people come into God's presence, Lord, you know I'm like this and I know you can do this and you have to speak to me and here I am, Lord. I have my pen and paper. Let's go, Lord. I have 30 seconds. Because after this, I have my TV to watch, my hair to do, I have to call my neighbor, I have to go do this and we need to come to God and make sure we know who we're dealing with. You know what? When that's genuine in our one-on-one -on -one time with God, it will manifest in our corporate fellowship. There'll be no boasting or performance. We'll have a reverence and an awe. It'll be conducive for the Holy Spirit to be welcome and to remain and do His work when flesh is not there. There's a maturity that the book of Hebrews speaks of here in chapter 5 as well as going into chapter 6. And there's a grieving caution here. He says uh, regarding Jesus Christ 
called by God as high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. We have more to say about that. We want to teach you more. But the Holy Spirit says to all of us, you don't want to be in the class of people who are dull of hearing. I have to examine myself. Am I dull of hearing? Do I grieve God when He wants to take me further? I keep babbling and babbling and babbling about what I know. How can a kid go from third grade to fourth grade? If when the teacher is trying to teach third grade concepts in math and English, the kid goes on forever speaking about what he learned in second grade. You know, I know 2 plus 2 is 4 and 3 minus 1 is 2 and I know this and that. And But third grade, the teacher is trying to get the child to learn about division. Child keeps on babbling. I need to be quiet before the Lord and say, Lord, teach me. Shut down all the noise. Crucify the flesh. I'm here to learn, to grow. I've got to mature. There's a marker, just like you go to the pediatrician with your kids. Stand up against that wall, Johnny. Why? Because I want to see how tall you became. How much you grew. What does the pediatrician or the nurse practitioner do? Compare the growth and the weight with the average growth and weight of the average child to see if they're doing okay. It's when I submit to God and understand that there's a goal. God is not a person who wastes time at all. Everything He does is perfect. And there's a profit that He wants to give us, a blessing. He wants to grow us. But here the the sad reality is he writes to these people, he says, you're dull of hearing. He goes on further to really drive it home. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you know so much, you have so many Bibles and you have so much teaching, you should be able to teach other people what? How to walk in obedience and holiness before the Lord in the fear of God. You need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. I didn't write this. God wrote this. We need to hear it. As we say often, we can't pick and choose what we'd like to read. And oh, hum, oh, hum, here we go again about obedience. And I, Can we get to the Psalms? I'd like to see in Revelation what the new city of Jerusalem looks like and all the diamonds and the jewelry. I'd like to learn about horticulture and how to Solomon do his botanist work over there. Architecture, and it's wonderful. Archaeology, all those things can be beneficial if we are able to praise God. But before all of that, we have to be able to hear everything God says and take it in so we can walk right. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. The teachings, the scriptures. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. Why don't we give babies solid food? Baby doesn't have any teeth yet formed visibly coming out. You can't give the baby a hot dog and set you on it. 
The baby has one tooth. I can't say now you graduated to a full stake. Look, Junior has a full set of teeth now. Baby teeth, mind you. I'm going to give him some really hard hero bread to crunch down and munch. Throw in all kinds of meat. It's dangerous. Child is not able to eat it. The digestive system, starting from the mechanical digestion, which requires teeth, strong teeth, fully formed, the ability to swallow the things that we take for granted, the ability of the involuntary muscles of the esophagus and all the way down, the whole action of swallowing, the actions that are required for The actions that are required for digestion is known as peristalsis. It's a wave-like muscular contraction of the elementary tract to take the food down. Things need to be trained in order to digest the food. Both voluntary and involuntary aspects of digestion only then can the solid food be taken and become beneficial instead of becoming a health or life hazard. Hazard to life. He says, if I give you solid food, you're not going to be able to take it. You need milk still. You see in the book of Corinthians, people who need milk are carnal. They're striving, fussing and fussing and fussing. How do I look and what does she think about me? How dare he thinks this way about me and it's about me, myself, and I. But a person who's spiritual, they think about God. Lord, what do you desire? How can I please you? I need to change. I want to be able to take the solid food. I can't afford to be fussing and fighting and coming to God and demanding and dictating. I need to shut down and shut up so that God can teach me and build me up. For everyone who partakes only of milk, is unskilled. This is the problem, he says. I can't give you solid food, only milk, but if you keep getting milk, you're going to remain a baby. That person will be unskilled in the word of righteousness. No wonder they're easily tossed to and fro by every wave of teaching that comes. No wonder they never get a hold on holy living in their life. They don't even know what it means. They think, Pastor, so-and-so said this, and that deacon's like this, and my neighbor, and my father, and I have a whole bunch of devotions, and I got this cartoon, Christian cartoons, maybe for the kids, and I do this, and really, worldlings, as the people used to say. People really are confused, and, and they're just riding on the wave of emotion and thinking that's discernment and the spirit and goosebumps and I feel and I think we don't want that anymore. We have to say enough of that. I need to know exactly what God thinks. I need that communication from God. I need to be open to receive it. I need to grow. I need solid food. I want to really go into the deeper things of God. God is eager 
to invite us to grow and to help us to grow and to graduate us and promote us. We need to know when we're grieving the Spirit, when we're speaking so much and not able to listen. When we claim to know much and even maybe have a lot of notes and a lot of stuff, but very little practice. Here's the key. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age or mature. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. In some translation, this is confusing over here. What is he talking about? What exactly is he talking about? Solid food belongs to those who are mature, who by reason of use have their senses discerned or exercised to discern both good and evil. He's saying that if a person is able to take solid food, because of the solid food, there's a benefit. Because they're walking according to the teaching of God, there's a growth. Because of being able to digest what God has for me, I become more mature. I'm able to discern more things in the Spirit. Because I'm able to eat the solid food. Now, how do you get to eat the solid food? You have to be obedient to God. That's the only way. There's no such thing as graduating from spiritual milk to spiritual meat. From liquid Spiritual liquid is spiritual solid or solids. To become strong and healthy, go from a tender baby stage, vulnerable stage, to become strong. In the Epistle of John is written, I have written unto you young men because you have overcome the evil one. There's a graduation, children to young men to fathers, being able to help others. The graduation happens when we are eating our food that God has given us, fully chewing it, getting all the benefits, and by use of that food that God gives, that solid, I become strong spiritually, able to know. The confusion goes away. I won't be thinking a hundred times and a hundred questions and a thousand. Some people never grow. But God wants us to be those people who by obedience are given more and more illumination and guidance by the Holy Spirit. To the point where hundred Christians may say, that's great, you got called to perform on that show? Wow! A big celebration from the church and community, Christian community. What a platform to go there. And what are you going to sing? A uh, secular song to who? People who have no regard for God. For what? To show off your talents. That everybody can appreciate your talents. Go for it. 
Whereas a person who has been obedient to God will know right away, that's no place for me. That's not the kind of fame God wants for me to have. I don't need to go there to drop in a word for Christ. He's not that cheap. I'm going to sing. It's going to be a song to glorify God. Nobody's going to tell me what to sing and what to speak. I'm here representing the Lord. But you know what? The carnal person, the immature person, who got saved but never grew, they were eager. What an opportunity. Dancing with the stars because I have a dancing talent. I'm going to become a cheerleader because it's a talent. What's the purpose of a cheerleader? When you think about the word itself, it's to encourage someone and the team is there. But what do you see often, and even in the so-called sports arena, boxing matches, you have immorality and seduction coming in. really want to flaunt yourself and expose yourself to other people's lusts in the name of fun and rah, 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 doing cartwheels, clad with clothing that is obviously revealing. What has happened to the minds of believers? Carnal. But a spiritual person say, it doesn't make any sense. What's the objective? Is it possible to encourage a team, encourage people in an honorable way, dignified way, that doesn't incite lust, doesn't incite flaunting, feeling of self-importance and power over people? As we said yesterday, and we close with this, the Lord says, come unto me. All you that are heavily burdened. Striving, there's a lot of striving to make the grade. I've got to have self-worth in the eyes of my people. The whole focus is on me. And the means to attain it. When we should say, Lord, the only thing I want, the one thing I desire is that I may behold your beauty, Lord. Come into your house, live with you forever. That I may inquire in your temple. That's the one thing I seek after. Can you say that, brother, sister? Your passion, I mean the ultimate passion, you really come to that point, is to know my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to love him with all my heart and to serve Him acceptably with reverence. And I want people to see Jesus in me. That's all I want. That's all I want. That's what you call maturity. But do we see that all around? We see counterfeit maturity. But if I stay in the Word and I say every word is important. Again, I believe it was Dr. Billy Graham that said one thing I wish I did more was read the Bible. And he is the, probably the greatest evangelist 
in terms of reaching people in the history of mankind at single events. They were telecast all over. And a man who preached from the Bible, probably knew the Bible better than most Christians, he went to Bible school in the 40s and preaching and all over the world. So many people that I've heard came to faith through his preaching. He says toward the end of his life, there's one thing I wish I did more was read the Bible. He came to the point where he realized he could have used his time better. Such a man like that. To get deeper into the Word of God. What do we do with all these things? We should say, I've got to mature. There's got to be progress when God looks at my life. It's not a striving and frustration and feeling condemned. No. It's the Lord wants me to graduate. To go to the next level. Not to show off. Look at me. I have a medal pinned on me. Everybody see. No, it's a promotion in the heart. And what will happen is, you see, how do you, how do you know when somebody's mature? There will be spiritual reproduction happening. Other people will begin to really genuinely follow God as a result of this person's life and their doctrine. Paul told Timothy, watch your life and doctrine. Watch your life and what you preach. May they be sound. Because if that's the case, if you're careful to do things God's way, then you'll save yourself and the people who hear you. What a testimony to have and all of us can have it we want to be mature we want to say Lord I've been drinking milk for a long time I want to get beyond the basic principles of what? repentance from dead works are you still doing dead things? Do you have, who will keep dead things in their houses? dead fish dead rabbits but people go every day they have a ton of perfume on Teeth are bright, looking good. Cars washed, shiny. I have everything I need to go out and make it a great day. I'm a winner. But they're carrying a corpse around tied to them everywhere they go and their smell is diffusing everywhere. One of the punishments in the ancient world was person would be chained to a corpse and they'd have to drag the corpse around. Horrible. Dead works. The Bible specifically says dead works. Works of the flesh. That's the first order of business to say is there anything in me, anything at all, bitterness and envy and me, 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 the self-centeredness. I can't be mature. I, I may have Bible knowledge, technically speaking, be able to quote scripture and all that, but that doesn't mean the Bible is inside my heart. It's when I refuse evil. And I say, Lord, I'm going to crucify the flesh. It's about you, Lord. I love you. Today is the day I'm breathing. And this day, Lord, this night, wherever you are situated on the earth listening. I've entered into your rest, Lord. 
Nothing can disturb the rest. I love you, Lord. You have everything in control. Lord, I know if I pray to you sincerely in faith, I persevere, Lord, and I look into this word, this perfect law of liberty, very intently to be a doer, not just a hearer. Oh, there's some progress. I'm obeying God. There's a growth. God will answer. God will change everything. God will take away the depression and the fears and the worries, the anxieties. God will pour His glory upon you. You will become a source where people look to you and say, how are you able to be so confident when things are falling apart? Death is all around, but I see life coming from you and hope. Because it's more than talk. There's a life behind the words. Hallelujah. We want to go on to maturity. To understand the deeper things of God, because you know, every time God reveals something, every time we learn something from the Word of God, it will add to our spiritual muscles. It will make us grow taller spiritually. It's not just for head knowledge. There's a growth. Something happens, I can't explain it. Neither can you. I used to wonder as a teenager in my 20s, how does this stuff work? That when I'm reading the Bible and I really get serious with God, and I really humble myself and shut down the voices in my own flesh, I feel peace. Hope comes in. Fear goes. And I feel like I can really live an overcoming life. How does it happen? It's the supernatural dunamis or dynamis power. It's the miraculous power. That's what the word means. A miracle working power of this word of God. If I read it, meditate on it, digest it, and keep obeying it, I become invincible. Because God has free reign in my life. Nobody can stop me from accomplishing God's will. One day, as we heard last evening, I'll be able to stand before God and say, Lord, I did your will. Hallelujah. God will say, you're not lying. That's the truth. I saw it. There was a change. Hallelujah. But you know what else we heard in the evening call? As God spoke to Pastor before we go to bed at night, Retire for the day. We should be able to say, Lord, I did your will today. That's evidence of a person truly growing. And we can say that sincerely. I did what you told me to do, Lord. And a string of successive obedient days, nights, will lead to the culmination of a portfolio, if you will, we can bring to heaven. Show God, no, I'm not entering heaven by my own good works, but the proof of my genuine faith in you, Lord, my love, you're the love of my life for eternity, is that I obeyed your word. And look, Lord, since I repented from carnality, self-centeredness, I've become fruitful in the kingdom of God. Thirty, sixty, hundredfold. And Lord, I brought souls to you. Hallelujah. Reproduction is a sign that biologically a human being is maturing, at least physiologically. The ability spiritually is the case. When people get born again through our life and our words, shall we pray? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord.
Thank you, Lord, for the exciting, wonderful, Lord, prospect. Every one of us being people who grow, continually growing, maturing, mature. Lord, we'll, we'll always be your babies. That'll never change. Our Father who loves us so much. The affection between a mother and the newborn. That instinctive, natural affection. It's just a faint picture of the eternal love, Lord. Tenderness that you have for each other. You're so good, Lord. And yet we're called to be mature soldiers as well. To make our Father's heart glad. To wage the war against the flesh. Worldly impulses and attractions that seek to drown us with deception. And the devil himself. The cunning crafty serpent. And that lion that prowls around. Seeking to devour. Like lion. You call us to be vigilant. To be victorious. Vivacious. Full of life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, we are called to trust you. To believe your word and to know what you have given us. To vigorously desire and consume the word of God. The only way to grow. With every increase of knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. To walk in the light of that. That we can go from being children to young men, adolescents fathers, spiritual mothers, hallelujah, oh God how many people are being robbed of their spiritual food through every believer who has been brought to you and schooled and given the counsel because of disobedience to the light, not able to teach as it says in the book of Hebrews chapter 5 the time then when you ought to be teachers, you need somebody to teach you again the elementary things, basic things. I pray, Lord, that we would be angry at the enemy, sorry for our laziness, repent, become very active, proactive in our own spiritual growth by reading the Word of God, meditating and obeying. Thank you, Lord. I pray that you help us, Lord, whoever needs to keep a journal to say, I read this today and what I do about it. And this is what I'm going to start doing different to please my God. That may be the most important book next to the Bible a person can ever have. A diary of obedience. A legacy for the generation to glorify you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Take us deeper, I pray, day by day. In the book of Hebrews, Lord, in the whole word of God. I thank you, Father. I praise you, Lord, for every person who has the potential to be a world changer through the power of the Holy Spirit. May everyone, Lord, on the calls desire Tremendous change, beginning with marked humility, 
marked humility, an increase, a great increase in humility. Two, reject opinions and go for the truth. Hallelujah. To shut down our own fleshly voice so we can hear the voice of the Master. Be built up, strengthened, encouraged, refreshed and sent out to win souls for the Kingdom of God. Oh God, I pray that the point will be driven home by the Holy Spirit. We need to be healthy and mature to reproduce and we've got to bring souls into the Kingdom of Heaven. It's not a profession of some preacher. Every believer that is healthy will bring, bring forth 30, 60, 100 fold. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for clearly giving us the objectives and the means to secure those objectives. For the glory of God. In Jesus' name, I thank you, Father. Thank you for the healing that's being ministered to people, oh, Father. Oh, Lord, I pray anyone, Father, who is suffering, but still coming, Lord, to your feet, as we are all coming, Lord, daily, to hear what the Father has to say, to receive it. Lord, receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save our souls. Grant your healing, Lord, to the ones who desire you. Do a miracle, Lord. Have mercy. Set them free, Lord. Those who have emotional, Father, traumas, Father, set them free. Help them not to be subdued by these things. Those who are unstable, oh, Father, I pray, a stability will come with a swiftness to hear, slowness to speak out in their own minds, slowness to get angry. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. In Jesus' name, Amen. When we walk with the Lord in the light of His Word, what a glory He sheds on our way. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Then in fellowship sweet, we will sit by His feet. We'll walk by His side, never fear, only trust and obey. When we walk with the Lord, in the light of His Word, what a glory He sheds on our way. While we do His good will, He abides with us still. And with all who will trust and obey. 
trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. Not a shadow can rise, not a cloud in the skies, but his smile quickly drives it away. Not a doubt or a fear, not a sigh or a tear can abide while we trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Then in fellowship sweet, we will sit at his feet or we'll walk by his side in the way. What he says we will do. Where he sends, we will go. Never fear, only trust and obey. Shall we sing this? Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. Trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. We need to trust and obey to get saved. We need to trust and obey to get filled with the Holy Spirit. There's no other way. Hallelujah. God has made it very simple. We can all do it. Glory be to God. Praise God. If the Lord has spoken to you, you can go to pray.